Portions of this program may be pre recorded. All engines running, commit liftoff. Hey, welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live, you can also hit us up with your questions on Facebook and Twitter. At SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That's at SWAT Radio Talk. And we will answer them the next time that we are together. Um, We would love to have you guys call in and join the discussion in the first segment. We usually talk about kind of what's been going on in the news throughout the day and last night. And uh, there's been some uh, craziness going on in the country, so I'm sure you guys have some opinions on that, and we would love to hear. The craziness never stops, and <laughs> now we got a hurricane popping in. You know, uh, if you uh, if you live over in Texas or Louisiana, because I know we have people that do listen in and tune in through the SWAT radio app or website from there, please take this storm seriously. Uh, it is a Category 4, mm-hmm. and uh, that's pretty strong. Yep. That's got some strength to it. And they, if you go to the uh, weather uh, channel, it says that it's an unsurvivable storm surge is what wow. the headline means. That means they're, they're at the storm surge is what's the – I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen, Taylor, a storm surge of somebody whose house is right there on the impact area. Mm-hmm. But when a you get a fifteen to twenty foot storm surge, that means those waves are up over your house yeah. and that moves your house. It mm-hmm. just destroys all that. And they're saying that that storm surge is going to come right in between the Texas. It looks like the the brunt of it on the Louisiana Texas border. So uh, that it's uh, they're saying that the landfall is going to set a record, actually. Uh, it will be the seventh hurricane uh, to make landfall before the end of August. Really? Wow. And, and you know, you hadn't even thought of Have you thought about Mm-mm. that? I mean, I haven't even thought about that, uh, that it's, uh, you know, that's early in the season for us. A lot of times we tend to yeah. think of, of, of the uh, later in there. And they're saying that it's going to, you know, the, you think about the power outages, you know, uh, that the power outages are going to be all the way as far north as Little Rock and Memphis. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that that uh, it's going to be up Shreveport's way up to the northern part of the state. Uh, and so it's going, that's going to really affect a lot of people, impact a lot of people. Please uh, be careful. Make sure that you don't Sometimes you think you can ride it out. Mm-hmm. I think you people really need to be careful out there. And uh, we as believers need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in that part of the country. So, again, that's Hurricane Laura. And, um, you know, I have to tell you this. I, I was frustrated. So today I was, you know, working out and mm-hmm. I just had the news on. And, uh, you know, they flipped over on one of the TVs that where I was working out to espn and then they were 
they were talking to guys who said they're going to boycott because of the Blake shooting in Wisconsin. They're going to boycott the playoffs um, in response to the shooting. Hmm. Now, you know, they can do whatever they want to do. People can make those kind of choices. But again, they are buying into a narrative that is being spread Mm -hmm. that this young man, Jacob Blake, um, was innocently gunned down. Yeah. And he wasn't. I mean, I, I, I saw at least a part of the video. I still don't know all the facts, so I want a disclaimer. I don't know all the facts that led up to it, except the parts that I have read from several different news organizations and mean by different i mean different points of view Mm -hmm. people that have different agendas because they all have agendas now right but but he he uh apparently either had a knife or threatened to have a knife said that he was going to get a gun Mm. so when if if that is true somebody says i'm going to get a gun they they don't listen to your commands yeah they proceed to reach into a car the police are responding to the threat to life. Yeah. The person that in je- that uh, made those three children in the car in jeopardy is the father. At that moment, I can tell you from being in situations where I've had guns pulled on me or knives pulled on me, you're not thinking about anything at that moment but survivability mm-hmm. and taking whatever threat is out there out of your way. Yeah. Because you don't want you want to go home and see your kids that night, yeah. and uh, the fact that people like the NBA guys and many NFL guys are weighing in, claiming another innocent shooting, you know, it, it's just simply not helpful to real dialogue about change. Yeah, and the police or not the police narrative, but the narrative from the media, like kind of when this happened uh, earlier in the week, was that. Uh, he um blake was trying to break up a fight and that you know the police just got called to domestic uh, disturbance but it came out uh i think today or yesterday that um they were notified uh when they got the the call that he had felony warrants uh open and that he was refusing to leave uh, a woman's home so you know that kind of colors the oh it changes it changes it it's not that he was just you know trying to be a good neighbor um as, as a as you know, as far as what the police are, are saying um, and that he just got killed out of, you know, whatever. But it, it seems it paints a picture of much more of an antagonistic behavior. Um, so, well, I, I just I want to go back to this. And this is it's just frustrating to me that we have now that the professional sports teams are not about sports at all. Yeah, I mean, they're, where they're saying, "Okay, we've got to do something to prove a point," so we're not gonna we're we're gonna be defiant. And I'm even hearing now there's college athletes who are doing similar things mm-hmm. to try to force issues. And a lot of this, you know, what's happening is people are saying, "You know what? We don't have to obey any authority. We don't have to submit to authority." I mean, think about that. That's what's, I mean, when a city puts out a curfew and says, okay, we are putting out a citywide curfew, nobody on the streets after five o'clock or seven o'clock because of crime and, and the possibility of violence, and people don't regard that, and then there's nothing done, 
that's going to encourage more and more chaos. Mm-hmm. When people, when when you have people, owners who are saying, no, you need to play, and we're going to know what, we're not going to play. And the owners are too afraid to get rid of players. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the, the players are, are getting a, a lot of pressure to make stands. And I, I think you look back at, this has been going on for a while, you look back into the 90s with Michael Jordan, um, I think he was pressured to uh, come out in support of a candidate in North Carolina who he gave money to, so he did support him financially, but he didn't say anything. And he said, you know, Republicans buy sneakers too, kind of as a joke. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, been pilloried for that. And it's been like, oh, he did a bad thing and uh-huh. something that he feels like he has to apologize. So I think a lot of athletes see things like that and feel like, oh, I got to say something. I got a brand and, you know, and, and this and that. Rather, But I think a lot of times, you know, you're so busy playing your sport that you don't take the time to get all the information and you're just going off of, Oh, this is what this person tells me. Well, so. I think I told you Monday there were NFL players who were tweeting before they even knew what was going on. Yeah. And that's that's part of the problem. So how do we as Christians respond to that? How should we respond? Well, I think we, like we talked about last week, we have to be a thermostat, not mm-hmm. a thermometer. Yeah. We have to be the ones that speak truth, and we speak truth in love, and we raise questions, and listen, not everybody's going to like those questions mm-hmm. because those questions make people realize sometimes that maybe they step forward without thinking. Maybe they made a step without really contemplating what went on. Uh, I mean, you know, if you really stop and think about it, I mean, if it, it, let's say 15 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, somebody would have said what happened to this young man as he made a threat or he verbalized a threat he brandished a knife or whatever he did and he did not respond to police it would not have the impact that it's having now but what we're seeing now is more about class warfare mm. and marxism being it's, it's being strategically integrated into these issues and what they're doing, I believe, uh, is every time there appears to be something that can be made to look like an injustice, mm-hmm. even though it may not be. For instance, what happened in Georgia? Have you noticed? You haven't heard much about the Georgia thing anymore. Have you noticed that? Yeah. You know, the guy turned around and shot a taser at a police officer mm-hmm. and was shot. And that that was a threatening gesture and it was with a deadly weapon, according to the district attorney up there. Mm-hmm. So, so again, they picked up something that they could jump on with. That's what they've done in Wisconsin. I mean, think about where it's at up in Wisconsin. That's a city of a hundred thousand. Yeah, they're trying that the people who are behind a lot of this stuff are trying to make a statement. Yeah, and that, I think the statement they're trying to make is that you know. Uh, our way of life, our institutions um, don't work and have never worked. And so we need to destroy it all and, you know, move towards Marxism. And, you know, I mean, there are obviously issues that have come upon uh, that have come throughout time. uh, But to say that the whole foundation is corrupt and worthless, I think is a a bridge too far. Yeah. Well, well, when we come back, I do want to touch on this just one more time before we get into the servanthood thing today, because because I do think there's a couple of things that we need to elaborate on. All right, stick with us. With us, we will be back with more after the break. 
If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.acedoor.com. Push, I pull, go back and forth, finding myself Pounding on a locked door, I try to make it out alone without your help But I know I never win this war I can never be, never be free without you I can never be, never be me That is Freedom Hymn by Austin French. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, um, we have been talking a little bit about what's been going on in uh, the country today, uh, specifically talking a little bit about what uh, has been going on in Wisconsin for the past few days. Uh, we are going to get into uh, Letters to the Church and Francis Chan's chapter about servants. Um, but before that, we're going to finish up uh, talking about um, kind of the uh, Marxist agenda that is uh, driving to rip apart the the fabric uh, and the seams of our our society and our culture, and how we're kind of uh, getting we're missing that in our anger towards uh, each other. Well, it's interesting because the I don't know if you saw saw the video uh, of the, there, it was apparently a 17 year old young mm-hmm. man who had a long gun. I don't know if it was an AR 15. I don't know what it was, but he was being chased with that mm-hmm. rifle. He was there apparently as part of a militia or group of people who said, we're not going to let these people torch our businesses. Now, why a 17 year old was there? I don't know. Yeah. But he was being chased and what i personally saw in the video is as he was being chased he got knocked down Mm -hmm. and he was fearful now he turned and fired on those people who were coming to attack him yeah now i think you know i i don't know what happened and led up to that yeah if he had already shot somebody had he not shot anybody and they just started threatening him and he did that uh, 
I think he's got a self-defense claim that he can use now, especially because someone said you know that he, that someone who was attacking him had a, a handgun. Yeah, they but they they you know those people they don't even have to have a gun mm, if yeah. you're outnumbered. It's it, you know if they if they have twenty people chasing you to beat you up and you're in fear for your life. That's reasonable. You can yeah. use deadly force to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. That that is. That has been recognized throughout just about every state in the union. And from what I saw, he was being chased. He was knocked down and turned. Now, you can question the wisdom of him being out there with a gun anyway. Yeah. I don't I don't think that was the wise thing to do. Mm-hmm. But if 20 people are chasing you or however how many were chasing him, and it was a mob. Yeah. I mean, this is the problem we're seeing in these cities that mobs. I don't know if you saw, Taylor, but up in Washington, D.C., there were some people sitting at a outdoor restaurant. Oh, yeah. And they were uh, cursed out. People were cussing them, telling them that, you know, they were just uttering all kind of obscenity and profanity at them, telling them that they were you know basic white, you know, white silences violence yeah things like that. they were saying that if they didn't raise their fist to that mm-hmm. then they were complicit in it and and they were forcing people almost to do what they told them mm-hmm. to do and i was just wondering about that what would i do if i was out in my family you know if i had my wife and my daughters at a restaurant what would you do if you're sitting in a restaurant well I can tell you, I'm not going to raise my fist up. Mm-mm. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give in to a mob telling me I'm, I'm going to try to protect my family as best I can. But I'm not going to give in to somebody telling me because what's next? What if they tell you to do something else? What if they tell you to burn a Bible? What mm-hmm. if they tell you to do this? The, these right now, our government has to step in at some point. The Department of Justice. I really encourage you, first of all, to pray. You pray and ask for wisdom and protection for our leaders to be discerning and use your voice. You know what? Call your congressman, call your senator, call your representative, call your mayor, call if, if you live in those cities. But if you're call and ask the congressman or Senate to get the Department of Justice involved in these things, because they should be making sure these these are civil rights violations that need mm-hmm. to be addressed. And it's unfortunate that it's allowed to go on because it just really reveals a lack of leadership, I think, more than anything else in these places where they're allowing it to happen. And I think, uh, you know, piggybacking on what you said about prayer, I think that is is what's needed most of all. And that is, you know, no matter what the government does, that it's not going to cure the issue is we need revival. Uh, you know, in our in our country, uh, in our society, because um, the spirit of the age, I guess you could call it, uh, is what we're at war with through, um, you know, the different things that have been going on. And, and what's really needed is for the church to stand on its feet again um, and, and and be that city on a hill, be that light um, and start to pull others away from, uh, you know, the spirit of the age, because uh, I think, you know, that's really what we're seeing is just anger and and hatred running amok well and i mean and if you believe that what those people in kenosha are really about is justice then just listen to the fact that they set 
34 different fires mm. uh, in that city, and they destroyed 30 businesses. They just completely destroyed 30 businesses. Well, did you see the video of the that one business owner getting knocked out? He was yeah. trying to protect his business. And yeah. Just... Well, and I heard of a uh, somebody was trying to protect a ministry up there, and they got hurt. A church got burnt down. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one of the owners of one of the businesses says that um, that looters took off with a lot of his computers. He owned a computer mm-hmm. store, and they just came in and stole the computers. That's not justice. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how is that solving anything? And, um, you know, I just think, um, and the mother, by the way, of Jacob Blake came out and asked people to stop doing that stuff. Yeah. They, they, she did make a plea there. And so I think the thing that amazes me is if you give a curfew, it's like, imagine this, you tell your child, okay, your curfew's eight o'clock and they come in at nine o'clock. They go, okay, I'm home. If you keep letting them come home at nine o'clock without consequences, they're going to keep mm-hmm. coming home. And your your commands or your your desires mean nothing to them. If you tell people there's a curfew at five o'clock and you don't respond to that and you stay up there and you don't do anything to enforce that, of course they're going to push that. And that's what's happening, not just in Kenosha, but in other cities too. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's just chaos. And I say what you want about leaders, say what you want about the country nobody likes chaos chaos is not good for anybody Mm -mm. and we need to be praying that god would bring order and he would bring some reasonable uh sense of uh discernment to leaders to know what to do and 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 bring some uh, peace to this area the believers have to be thermostats we've got Mm -hmm. to be people that speak rationally and honestly and truthfully and biblically about these things so anyway that being said this week we've been talking about the church and i can't help but think taylor that one of the reasons that the church has been deemed not essential in a lot of ways is a lot of these things we've been talking about have been missing mm-hmm. in the american church particularly yeah and just going back to one of the things i was talking about yesterday is that um you know when we think about church we all believe that our churches are loving we all believe our churches are faith-based we all believe our churches you know have people that want to serve and honor god as sacred but jesus talked in luke 6 about how even pagans or gentiles love people that love them and i talked about what he shared in the book about how what's different what makes your church different from a civic organization or a nonprofit mm. that is just has nothing to do with Jesus, has no faith-based initiative, but just a group of people around a common cause? If there's no supernatural spirit there, yeah. then there's no difference. And I think we see some of that in the, here in the in the United States. We've allowed our culture to infiltrate the church and influence it more than the biblical models that we've had in times past. And so how do we change that? Well, we start with each other. We start with ourselves on an individual basis saying, I don't want to be like that anymore. I want the spirit to lead me. I want to live a spirit led life. I want to be spirit empowered. I want to do what Christ calls me to do. And so that means um, that Jesus said, go 
and serve. And that is one of the things that I think would really help the church begin to be attractive again is if we begin serving each other instead of when we come together seeing what I can get and consuming. Yeah, uh, It's got to start with an idea of service. And Jesus gave this wonderful picture in Mark chapter, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 13. Right before he died, the day before, the night before, Jesus comes into the house and you just, it doesn't say this in the text, but you would have to wonder why he had to wash the feet because usually somebody else, the the person in the group who was the lowest in that community, the youngest or whatever would have normally done that. It was the lowest of low servant job. And Jesus you know, took a towel and went around and washed all their feet to say, this is the picture I want to leave with you. This is what I want you to remember about me. This is a night. I mean, before you die, that's if, if you're talking to somebody right before they die, they're telling you what's most important to them. Yeah. And this is the picture he wanted to leave. And if you think about our churches, specifically in our country, how many are known for having the greatest servant leaders? Mm. How many are known for the pastor being, oh, I don't know anybody that serves like he does. Yeah. Most of the time, what are they known for? They're preaching. Man. Have you heard him? Yeah. Do you hear? Hey, they're awesome. You know? And so when we come back, I want to develop that a little bit for us individually. How can God use us to start being part of a change in our church culture yeah all right so stick with us we will be back with more after the news we'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors ace door and window as well as a special thanks to our sponsors tom neal trucking and jeff andrews of highway to eternity ministries if you would like to sponsor the program please email us at doug at SWATradio.com. that's doug at SWAT Radio. You can also download our SWAT app in the App Store, or you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at SWAT Radio Talk. That's at SWAT Radio Talk. We'd like to give a shout-out to our listeners listening in Virginia, listening at the Lighthouse, as well as those listening in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WNMER. Stay tuned. We will be right back. SWAT Radio, that is Need to Breathe with Brother. If you are just joining us, we have been talking about Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. That's what we were just talking about. We were talking about um, his chapter on servanthood. In the first segment, we talked about uh, kind of the news, which is what we usually do. Um, and then just uh, in the second half of the second segment, we've been talking about uh, servanthood and what that should look like. Uh, Doug, Doug left off with what that should look like for us as individuals and in, in some ways to practically uh, uh, apply servanthood 
and kind of the the churches that we're at and within the culture and the church culture that we live in here in America? Well, I think uh, one of the things is that we don't really have um, – if you, if you look at Scripture, it's pretty clear – the responsibilities of being a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. Scripture's clear what he wants. It says in Matthew, Jesus, one of the last thing he told, not only the disciples, but uh, others too, is go make disciples. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses. Yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't say everybody who is gifted as an evangelist, you go be witnesses. We all have a responsibility to be a witness for Jesus Christ. That's part of being part of the body. But if you go to 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, um, we also have gifts, and we are called through numerous uh, instructions where Paul instructs us to use those gifts to encourage one another, to uh, help lift up one another. And when you think about a team... Most people don't think about the church with a team concept. Yeah. Yeah. We, we come into church with a, with a consumer-minded mindset of, I hope I can get my needs met today, rather than, I mean, when you're on the football field, did you feel that? I mean, is that, is that how you went to practice every day? When you went to practice, you go, man, I hope I get my needs met today. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I thought more about uh, what I what I was going to do throughout what the you day, were going to contribute. Gonna, yeah. mm-hmm. You wanted to contribute, right? Yeah, and no, that didn't mean I didn't want my needs. I didn't, no, I wanted, you know, the you, linemen to block. And well, you, not well, you absolutely up, did, but you I went was, thinking you would, you were going to do your best to contribute. And I was trusting that other people would do that. So I, it wasn't my focus that, Oh, I need to, well, get you knew it was a team. Me. Yeah. Well, in the same way in the Marine Corps, I didn't go into the Marine Corps thinking, wow, Okay, Gunny, you know, yeah. when I was at OCS, make me a Marine. Yeah. No, I went in trusting that they were going to do what needed to be done, but I had to contribute. Yeah, I had to bring my best. And whatever it is, we feel a lot of times like we bring our best to work or to our sports that we like or whatever it is. But we don't bring our best to church. Mm-hmm. Instead, we bring our leftovers to church a lot of times with an idea of being consumers rather than contributors. And I just I think about if 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 in let's just say the top elite level of the NFL, the top guys, if they just told the coach, you know what? You know, this isn't meeting my needs today. I think I'm just gonna sit on the sideline. If he did that, what what would the coach do? Uh, you think he's going to say, "Okay, just take a break till you're ready to get back in"? I don't. I don't think you. Do you think he would really do that? Well, I guess that would depend on who you talk to and the difference in generation oh, generations <laughs> of the athletes. But as a principal, no, I don't think so. And I, I, you would hope that your star players wouldn't have that mentality either. Okay, I, I don't believe any team, any team can be successful. If you allow players I agree. to not contribute, mm-hmm. but just to be hangers on, yeah, just to be people that hang on. I mean, but Christians and churches continue to allow Christians to be a part who don't contribute. 
And what happens is a lot of times people aren't doing what they're supposed to do because they're supposed to be contributing. So if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, a lot of times you're bored or frustrated and you end up being a consultant and finding out all the things that you think are wrong with the church and wrong with the pastor, wrong with the choir, wrong with the music, wrong with everything else. Mm -hmm. And you breed dissension rather than contributing to change and contributing to the overall good. I mean, if scripture is clear and it is on us serving one another, don't you think it's strange that we give people a free pass on that at church? We don't hold them accountable. I mean, think about that. What would happen if pastors across America this Sunday started holding people accountable to what Scripture actually taught in the church their responsibilities to be? Yeah, <laughs> I think that would definitely depend on if the pastor was, you know, uh, how, the type of leader he was, because I think that you can do that in a way that pushes people away, and I think you can do that in a way that brings people in and get some motivated. Okay, so you know. let's go back to the football illustration. Did the coach care what you thought about the way he got across his point to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> he had a job to do, right? Yeah. His job was to shepherd you as a player and a team. And I think far too often we, you know, we get so worried about, well, people are going to be offended and listen to what scripture says. Again, we are underneath God's word. We are not on a peer with it. We can't mm-hmm. choose, oh, I don't like that verse or I don't like this. And listen to what it says in First Peter. As each has received a gift, talking about spiritual gifts, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Is that ambiguous in any way? It's pretty no, clear, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. So we all have a gift, and he says use it. Now listen to what James says. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Is that ambiguous? <laughs> so if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, but we don't hold each other accountable. And I think we like to confront sexual immorality mm-hmm. because we can just, oh, yeah, he shouldn't be doing this, right? Yeah. Um, because the adulterer, people who practice adultery or any kind of immorality, they don't represent Christ well. But what about the people that aren't loving one another? What about the people that aren't serving one another? Isn't that just as deadly Mm -hmm. in the long run if you choose to be your own boss and do things your way and be a consumer rather than a contributor? Um, I I think as leaders, we have to start talking to people within our groups who aren't serving mm-hmm. and try to get them involved and, and then hold them accountable. Say, listen, you know, you keep saying you are a believer. You keep saying this is important to you, but every time we have an opportunity to serve, you never serve. So how are you serving Christ? I come to church. Mm. You see my point. Does yeah. that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, are you, are, I, I'm, I'm, Seeing a little bit of a deer look over there. I mean, well, I'm just thinking. I think that I, I was wondering your thoughts on, um, you know, thinking about the team aspect. Like, you know, the coach doesn't care about how it comes across, and I think part of that is there's a buy-in from you know players like me. Like, I wanted to be part of the team, mm-hmm. and I think that um, if he had to talk like that to the spectators, 
uh, they'd be like, well, I'm going to watch a different team play. You know? <laughs> and so I, I wonder if, if there's a, a way in the church that kind of, I don't want to say to separate those who are, you know, maybe not really Christians and they're spectating and those who are, are for real, uh, if that would be a part of kind of what I, I think that's if a pastor was to do that, that would produce that naturally, but also to have a mentality of like, Hey, this is noble. And, uh, yeah. So I, I was just kind of thinking along those lines, not that I wasn't tracking what you were saying. I was just, kinda... well, I, I just really believe, uh, and you know, from what scripture teaches as, as you look at scripture, the expectations of the believers in the New Testament mm-hmm. is not the same expectations that our leaders have of us today. Yeah. I think if Paul and Peter were here today, they would shake things up quite a bit if they came around to the churches mm-hmm. and they would, you know, the letters they wrote to Corinthians and to Romans. I think they'd be writing us some letters about our lack of servant mentality, our lack yeah. of, of contributing because we've allowed the consumeristic part of our culture to so captivate us that we bring that to the church mindset instead of the, the family mindset yeah. of, uh, of serving one another and helping one another. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I do. I, I wonder, um, do you, do you think there's a problem? I, I guess, that makes it difficult with I, obviously the structure maybe, but the size of churches that makes it difficult for a pastor to do that, or maybe not raising up people to help in that leadership role. You know what I mean? Do you think there's a problem with that? And then it, maybe people need to be more uh, intimate in, in their, um, well, th- well, well, let me, let me ask, answer that by asking you a question. Okay. Thinking about the church, how are we preparing leaders in our church today? Yeah, like like how do how how do we prepare leaders for the next generation? How are we tell them to go to Bible school? You know, not yeah. yeah, We we send them off to a Mm -hmm. specialized training instead of discipling them one on one, leading them like Paul led Timothy Mm -hmm. to prepare him and raising up people within the body to lead different areas. Yeah. We don't delegate very well. Me, I I struggle with that too. We've got to start delegating and allowing people to step into positions of leadership Mm -hmm. before they're perfect. Yeah. I, I I agree. I think, and that's kind of what I was, you know, thinking in my head, like, Oh, that, that would be better, uh, to, as a way of cultivating, leaders and cultivating the next generation you know look how jesus led he said come follow me so he brought him he taught him mm-hmm. and then he did stuff and he said okay now you go do it yeah and and when they came back they were like man this was happening so he says you're celebrating the wrong thing guys listen they were knuckleheads right mm-hmm. i mean that took them a while but he still sent them out very early on yeah in the process to let them get their feet wet and i think far too often we wait a little too long to that i agree um stick with us we will be back if you have questions you can call us at 1-844-777-7928 that's 1-844-777-SWAT you're listening to swat radio stay tuned this program has the potential to reach millions of men each week 
If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Right now, right now, I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, oh, right now, I just can't. It's easy to say when there's nothing to Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask at SWATradio.com. We have been talking about um, servant leadership. Uh, well, Letters to the Church, Francis Chan's uh, book and his chapter about servants. But uh, that's kind of uh, been, you know, servant leadership has kind of been uh, the aspect that we're uh, looking at, but also uh, how to be a servant um, in any capacity that you're in. So we would love to have you call in and hear your thoughts on that. Or, uh, you know, in the first segment, we did talk about the news. So if you wanted to uh, had any thoughts about that as well, we would love to hear you. And again, that is uh, the number is one eight four four seven 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 nine two eight one eight four four triple seven SWAT or you can email us at ask at SWATradio dot com. That's ask at SWATradio dot com. Um and right before the break, Doug was uh talking a little bit about how um or I guess kinda in, in between the break we were we were talking about uh how pastors uh, might do a better job of cultivating uh leadership within the mist other than just uh, sending people out to Bible school. And so we're going to pick up right there, I believe. Well, I, you know, I just think that um, as I, as I think about my own uh, leadership, mm-hmm. it's real easy to, to fall into the trap of not delegating or not uh, raising up leaders Yeah, that, that, you see in the New Testament church, Paul took people everywhere he went. Mm-hmm. He was always building into others. That's the whole 
point of Second Timothy two two Timothy, find faithful men who will find others. Yeah, you know, and it's men and women. I mean, I, I but he's just saying find faithful people who can find others to build into. Um, if I've asked this question a lot uh, at different things I've spoken at, if you stop and think about your discipleship ministry, whatever that looks like, wherever you are. I just want you to think, what if the church in your area, and by church I mean the whole church, the universal church, not your local church, but the whole church, what if the future of Christianity in your area geographically depended upon your discipleship habits? Mm. What would happen five years from now, ten years from now? Would there be any Christians would there be any new believers? Would there be anybody left to share with other people? Are we training people? I think far too often that it's easy for us to just relegate that to the to the um, after the back burner. Well, the back burner, but even to the pro- quote professionals. Mm. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, we're not professionals, according to John Piper, brother. We're not professionals, but the Bible is clear of this being a responsibility for God's people, for his followers. We are to be the light. We are to be the people that continue to perpetuate this gospel message by putting God on display, which gives uh, authenticity and credibility to our message. When we put God on display in our community, it authenticates that we're really his. Yeah. It's not just about the message we give with our mouth. It's the message of our life that validates that message of our mouth. And I think people are afraid sometimes to to share because they think they have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect to share. You just got to be his. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what he wants. He wants loyalty. Uh, he's not. Well, yeah, and I mean, if you look in, through the Old Testament, he, he didn't. Uh, use perfect people i mean even in the new testament he uses uh those that are broken so that his uh power can shine through so uh you know along those same lines we shouldn't be like oh gotta make ourselves perfect here and here and here before uh you know stepping into what we should be doing as christians well the church according to what he wrote in his book is supposed and i I think it's true because the bible says that too uh the church is supposed to be a breeding ground elders Mm. and deacons i mean people pastors elders evangelists it's we are supposed to be breeding them so that they are younger uh new people coming up in the body Um, every church should be equipping people should be training people we should be um developing leaders that will be able to step up and either multiply and start new churches or either just help take part in the leadership of the churches we are. Uh, (laughs) But instead, we send out ads everywhere across the country inviting pastors to come from other places Mm. that have been trained in, quote, a seminary Mm. that we haven't invested in. Right. And so we don't know these people. And I'm I'm not downing seminaries. I mean, seminaries are good. They train people. Uh, but people even, I, I've heard of churches that even hire headhunters to go find them pastors. Hmm. 
Whatever happened to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Well, you don't understand. It's a big church. <laughs> well, wait a minute. How big is God? Right. right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, is, isn't it his church? Um, but I don't know. I might be getting off into the weeds a little bit. I don't want to go down that road. But um, I think instead of raising up leaders what's become normal is us to recruit from other places yeah and i was wondering you were you kind of you know so talking about the raising up the leaders and you were talking about how sometimes it's been difficult for uh you to delegate um and i think that that's for everybody uh myself included but why do you think that is something that is uh, or that that is missed i guess like that the the need to delegate and how uh impactful that is in raising up new leaders i well Part of the problem is if you're a type A personality mm-hmm. or you're a, uh, you know, you're a hard charger kind of person, you want to be involved in everything and you want to be exercising your gifts. But what Chan said that's really insightful and helpful is he had to learn how to limit the use of his own gifts mm. in order to make space for others. Yeah. That's hard to do. We need to do it. I mean, think about it. I mean, Jesus knew when he sent the disciples out, he was sending out inferior people to him. Mm -hmm. It didn't mean that they were not valued. It just meant that there's no way Peter's going to measure up to Jesus, right? Yeah. There's no way. Jesus Mm -hmm. is Jesus and Peter's Peter. But he sent him out anyway. He specifically limited his influence by multiplying his influence in Peter by giving him um, an ability to go do it. Now, there was a guy in Texas. He's still, he's a pastor. He's a retired pastor out there. And he demonstrated this for me one time. And you would think that this would have been all I needed Hmm. to have in my inventory to be motivated to do it. But one day, he saw a presentation I did and really wanted me to do it. Mm. Now, this guy was the president of a Christian college, a very, very well-spoken and well-learned pastor, very beloved. I mean, he was a great guy. I loved this pastor. And so they were doing a men's conference, and he wanted me to share the presentation that I did. So he went to the committee who had asked him to be the keynote And he said he knew they were going to have multiple speakers. And he said, I would like for Doug to come be a part of this, too. Mm. And they said, no, we've already got all our other speakers. And he lobbied and lobbied, and they just said no. So he said, that's fine. I'm going to introduce Doug. He's going to take my time. Oh, wow. And that's what he did. Wow. He actually did that at the men's conference. And he, he took five minutes, said a few words, and then he introduced me to come share. And I've never forgotten that it was a, and I know other people that were there that know me and him that have not forgotten that it was so impactful because for him, it wasn't about him. Mm -hmm. It was about Jesus being presented in a certain way. And he Mm. felt like the message that God had laid on my heart about this particular thing should have been shared those leaders did not want that. They wanted him yeah. because he was very well known. I wasn't. And he said, I want this message. And I, I've never forgotten that, Taylor. It was um, 
He's a great guy. And I, I just, I, that's what Chan's talking about. Mm-hmm. You have to limit the use of your gifts sometimes in order to make room for others to lead. And you think it's also having a focus, um, you know, as it is the focus of um, getting the message out and, and having God's word be proclaimed, but also um, the focus on that individual and that individual's life and what's good for them, you know, kind of having more of a intimate relationship with the, who, the people that are under you. Would, would you say that would be an aspect of your thinking that you would have to, to have as well? Uh, yes, I do. I think that that has to be a part of it. Because, like, you know, you type A, you're thinking, okay, the, you know, the getting it out, and you're not really realizing that this is another part of what you're supposed to be doing, you know what I mean, it, to help uh, someone else grow in their faith and then grow in leadership. And so realizing that by by limiting your gifts, you're not limiting your gifts and you're hampering the message. You're actually fulfilling part of what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, well, that th- that's right. That's is an important part. Yeah. of your job description as getting up every Sunday to preach. Yeah. And I think that that is what's missing. Anyway, hey, tomorrow we have Steve Biondo, who is the president of the Tim Tebow Foundation. Oh, cool. He's going to be our guest tomorrow, so I hope you'll tune in. Steve Biondo, uh, the Tim Tebow Foundation president, tomorrow on SWAT Radio. So Yeah, that should be pretty cool, so make sure you tune in for that. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio. You can also download our SWAT app in the App Store, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That's at SWAT Radio Talk. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual